Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. All IRA units have been ordered to dump arms. All volunteers have been instructed to assist the development of purely political and democratic programs through exclusively peaceful means. It's been almost 20 years since the provisional IRA formally ended its armed campaign. The IRA, for the first time in its history, has destroyed some of its own weapons, in their own words, putting them completely and verifiably beyond use. But that didn't bring political violence to an end. Uh, Our sources within the police service of Northern Ireland are telling us that one of their officers has been shot and wounded. Now, there is no indication as to what the circumstances were at this stage, but it certainly would appear to bear the hallmarks of a dissident Republican shooting. The shooting of DCI John Caldwell has reminded us that dissident Republicans are still out there. Have the dissidents, have they got support? No, they don't. None at all? They may have the ability to carry out individual actions, but the IRA is gone. What would you say to them? Go away. I would respond back to Mr. Adams with no intention of going home, Jerry. A plethora of groups, including the new IRA, Armna Poblachta and the Continuity IRA continue to exist. But what do they want? What do they hope to achieve? And why do they continue with what they would describe as armed struggle? We're talking about an illegal occupation here. That means the IRA reserves the right to attack those who are upholding that illegal occupation along the border and elsewhere, and the illegal partition that goes with it, and those who are upholding that. To try and shed some light on that, I spoke to Dr. Marissa McGlinchey. She's an assistant professor in political science at Coventry University and is the author of Unfinished Business, The Politics of Dissident Irish Republicanism. Dr. Marissa McGlinchey, you're very welcome to The Bell Tale. Thanks. I think a good place to start and a necessary place to start is how you as an academic define dissident republicanism. Um, Well, it's quite a wide base, dissident republicanism, but I suppose the basics, Kieran, are that dissident republicans, it's a collection of organisations and individuals um, who are independent, and they are basically traditional Irish republicans. So they want Irish sovereignty, they want a 32-county socialist republic, um, and they're given the same message that you would have heard from Sinn Féin um, or the Provisional IRA in the 70s or 80s. So if you attend any of their events or read any of their statements, you'll really see that same traditional republican message that you would have seen decades ago. That's an interesting point that you've made there. And and that was a question that I had for later on in the podcast. But I'll ask it now. I mean, it has occurred to me that point you you say, sometimes when I look at an R-dash of um, Republican Network for Unity or Irrigue or something, I almost see Sinn Féin at a certain 
point in time, even the decor, even the messages and the speeches and the, the manner in which they're delivered in, whether that's from the 70s, as you say, the 80s or maybe some stage in the 90s. We are not willing for these sacrifices to be made in vain. We are instead willing to make the Republic a reality. Almost the victory, Bernard Bill, August, Eric Lynn Lekela, Chucky Arlott. I suppose then that invites the question, well, eventually, are they not destined to evolve into what Sinn Féin has become? Well, you know, I think this is so interesting because it's a key driving force, I think, behind these groups because they're so determined not to go down the same path as Sinn Féin. They're so bitterly and vehemently opposed to Sinn Féin, calling them traitors and sellouts and constitutional nationalists at best. And so dissident Republicans are really determined not to go down the same path and sometimes it actually um, it determines the decisions that they make so for instance they're very wary of elections because they think that that's where Sinn Féin went wrong, that it brought Sinn Féin into the system and they feel that Sinn Féin then abandoned traditional Republicanism so it's, it's a really big driving force to them to try and avoid what they see as the mistakes that Sinn Féin made. Of course Sinn Féin would say that these were tactical changes that they made along the path to peace and unnecessary negotiations, um, but dissident Republicans see that as abandoning Republicanism. So you mentioned tradition uh, and traditional Republicanism, and you know, in preparation for this podcast, I've been listening to speeches, etc., and everything harks back, you know, to 1916 and to James Connolly, etc. And that is a tradition and that is a political tradition. But is there what we would describe as a political or even military strategy behind this beyond that need and and, and loyalty to tradition? Well, tradition is really, really important to dissident Republicans. And you'll see that um, if you attend their commemorations throughout the country, north or south, I mean, not only are they commemorating who they see as their fallen comrades, but they're also rededicating themselves to continuing the Irish struggle for freedom. So the dissident Republicans don't see themselves as doing anything different to previous generations of Republicans. It's really important to them that they see that they're just the latest in this long lineage of Irish Republicans um, wanting Irish sovereignty. And so tradition is really important. Um, but beyond that, I think where they've struggled is articulating any strategy for moving forward because they will argue that conditions today don't affect their strategy. Um, Sinn Féin will say, of course, they, it has to. Um, but dissident Republicans, they, they want to maintain this same Republican position that they've always had and so sometimes they come under criticism for not really engaging with tradition or with conditions on the ground today um, and emphasizing tradition over any sort of strategy for going forward. Yeah, I suppose when we're talking about um, politics, I mean, aside from a united Ireland, almost all dissident Republican groups style themselves as a socialist and very strongly socialist and much more than, say, the provisional IRA would have done, at least until very recently. I wonder what that socialism as, and I understand there are as many versions of socialism as there are socialists. So it's a very difficult question. But what do you think the socialism uh, as articulated by the main dissident groups, what does that entail? 
Um, I think socialism is really important to them. And you mentioned James Connolly earlier, and he's often cited um, in their speeches or at, at their commemorations. Yes, they are all socialist and they all aspire to a socialist Irish Republic. And it's a really, really important point for them because it's another point where they actually criticise Sinn Féin because dissident Republicans will tell you that Sinn Féin has moved very far away from the left and away from socialism. Um, and they will criticise that, uh, make in particular jibes about Sinn Féin being landlords of properties, etc. Um, and so they they would see themselves as quite distinct from Sinn Féin um, on that because they see themselves as more connected to the communities um, and a better advocate for a socialist Ireland. So they would reject what they the path that they see Sinn Féin going down because they don't believe that Sinn Féin are going to deliver the socialist Ireland that they want. And what is that socialist Ireland? I mean, would there be more than one political party in that socialist Ireland, for example? So I think that the groups have failed to really articulate this in a very strong way. Uh, Republican Sinn Féin actually have a, the Sinn Féin policy of Erin um, and they continue to advocate that, and that advocates for a socialist, federalist Ireland. So they're advocating for federalism. Um, but beyond that, I don't think that the groups have really articulated a strong vision for going forward, and I think that's uh, maybe where they're falling down a bit in terms of connecting with people. I also, I mean, just uh, it occurs to me, and I don't want to go down a, a rabbit hole, but the original, well, one of the original splits was the what became known as the official IRA, the socialist IRA, depending on your point of view. I mean, the provisional IRA broke with the official IRA. But their road, they went down very much a road of socialism, and they articulated their social socialist vision and it took them away from Irish nationalism. It took them away even from opposing partition. It took them into two-nation theory. It took them into a place where many of them are, you know, fundamentally for uh, the partition of Ireland. And I just wonder, do any of the dissidents look at the journey that those people have made where they have turned around completely? They oppose what they set out to achieve. Um, well, they would be very opposed to the Workers' Party, to the official IRA, um, and they would see them as, as having sold out and gone down a path that they would condemn. So um, dissident Republicans, they, to my knowledge, they don't have any fears of going in the same direction. I mean, they're very, very distinct and different from that tradition. Um, so they would criticise it, but I don't think they have any fears um, that that will happen to them. Well, let's talk about the... I suppose the main um, Republican dissident Republican organisation, as 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 I understand it to be, maybe I'm wrong, and that is the new IRA, and they continue, and they have continued in recent weeks with with what they would describe as armed struggle. Now I know we've spoken about the tradition, etc., but why do they continue with these armed actions? Is it beyond tradition. So yeah, so the, the new IRA, I mean, what's quite interesting is they, they reject the label, the new IRA, for a start, because they want to emphasise that they're just the IRA and continuing on what the IRA have always done. Um, but they're motivated, firstly, by trying to keep the flame alive, because they know that there isn't a large-scale campaign. They know that a united Ireland isn't around the corner um, in terms of any actions that they're undertaking. But they are really keen to demonstrate that they're still there and they're still capable. And that's really important for them after things like Operation Arbakia. So there's been so much infiltration of these groups and speculation um, that they're finished. 
that they really want to continue sending a message that they're still there and they're not finished and that they still have a capability to strike whenever they want to. So um, they're really motivated by that and also by wanting to show that Northern Ireland isn't a normal society. Um, so again, the more they, they do these actions, they feel that they're highlighting that partition still continues and that this still isn't a normal society. And there are other armed groups. It's sometimes difficult to, I mean, a lot of, there seems to be a lot of movement about these groups. Labels come and go. Some groups appear to be on ceasefire. And I mean, obviously, as you point out, some of the labels that they're called, the continuity IRA, the new IRA, the real IRA, et cetera, et cetera, we in the media call themselves this, and most of them call themselves the IRA or Ogling Ahead. And so, what about some of the other groups, the Continuity IRA, the Real IRA, Armina Poplachta? What's the situation of those groups? So, um, it's interesting with the Real IRA because a large section of the Real IRA actually went into the new IRA. So, when the new IRA was formed in 2012, um, that a large section of the Real IRA moved across and actually amalgamated with some independence and Republican action against drugs to actually form the new IRA. So, the Real IRA hasn't been active um, and we, we haven't heard much from the Real IRA, although its political wing, the 32 County Sovereignty Movement, uh, maintains that it's still active but again we haven't heard a lot from them beyond New Year's statements or Easter statements. Um, the continuity IRA has remained active and a bit like the new IRA, um, it's less active, but it does uh, continue with its campaign. It, you will hear occasional incidents where they're firing at police or like at Wattle Bridge in Fermanagh where they were luring police there to attack them. So the continuity IRA, it continues to be organised, particularly in places like North Armagh or parts of Fermanagh. And they continue to recruit. Um, they continue to recruit in the south as well. Um, and they're still organised and they're still there. So the new IRA and the continuity are the two that really um, are continuing on with armed their armed actions as sporadic as they are. You mentioned political groups there. I mean, some of the political groups at Siru, uh, Irigi, uh, the Republican Network for Unity and the 32 Counties Sovereignty Committee. To what extent... Is there any independence? Are they merely fronts? Are they independent political parties? Are they serious attempt at political movements? Or are they simply a vehicle, a legal vehicle, if, if you like? Um, I think that they are serious attempts at political parties. I mean, Republican Sinn Féin would see themselves just as Sinn Féin. So whilst they acknowledge that they are you know, they've become called Republican Sinn Féin and that's, that's accepted by them, they see themselves as simply the Sinn Féin. Um, so they reject that mainstream Sinn Féin um, is Sinn Féin and they, they say that they're Sinn Féin. Um, so these are serious attempts. Siru that was formed in 2016 um, was a serious attempt to bring together a number of dissident Republicans under the one political party banner and um, because the base was so divided it continues to be divided but there were so many different Republicans scattered around um, that weren't a member of anything um, and some were a member of parties like the 32s and really Siru was an attempt to bring those together and to get some sort of political strength out of that. And I think that these groups really see their organisation in a similar vein to how they would have viewed Sinn Féin and the provisional IRA back in the 70s, 80s. Um, I think they're really following that mould. 
But there still are many, many groups. Uh, I mean, it's it's the obvious question, and that I mean that that goes across politics. I mentioned you know socialist groups. There's so many. There are so many different politics. There's so many different types of groups. There's so many different people involved. But why, if they're all cleaving to this Republican tradition, then why are there so many groups? Why can they not come together to form a, a significant political movement? Well, I think there's a few aspects to it. Personalities is definitely something that influences this. Um, But also, when you look at the tradition of how dissident republicanism has formed since 1986, these different groups came about um, because there were different departure points from Sinn Féin or the provisional movement. So at different points, like 1986, you had Republican Sinn Féin breaking away. You know, in the 1990s, at the time of the ceasefires, uh, you had other dissidents breaking away. 97, it was the 32s broke away over the Mitchell principles. You know, so you, you had this gradual breaking away, different breaking points from the provisional movement. And that's why the base is quite divided. Um, and they have their distinct identities there. And it doesn't look like there's going to be any coming together. So I think with Siru, I think that was an attempt to do that. Um, but really, there there continues to be just as many different dissident groups. And as I say, I think personalities play a role in that, um, but also simply because they, they have distinct identities as groups. I think uh, there's a few things I really would like to continue on. I mean, my next question was based on personality clashes. But before I get to that, I mean, I was speaking to a community worker in West Belfast recently, and I, I knew that there was some, I suppose, sympathy for dissident republicanism or some non Sinn Féin republicanism. And I, and I said, you know, are you active in any of these groups at the minute? And he, and he said, you know what? He said, I'm of the opinion if you get involved in politics at all, and as you say, electoral politics, you're always going to end up as Sinn Féin in the end. So he said, I just let Sinn Féin do their thing. That's their, that's their, they do the politics, I do other stuff. So I think it is interesting what you're saying. You know, there's these cutoff points where you broke from Sinn Féin and it's almost, you're, you're, you sound like that period of Sinn Féin, you sound like what Martin McGuinness sounded like at at that stage. And I think that's very interesting. But I just wonder, are there other dynamics at play on the ground? You mentioned personality clashes. Other people talk, I was listening to a speech this morning and and I think they were talking about funding for community groups and and jobs attached to that, etc. And I wonder, is there there a ground war going on in places uh, such as West Belfast, for example, that... And, and you know, I'd struggle for control of civic society beyond the electoral seats that maybe we don't see in the media. Um, do you mean between Sinn Féin and the dissident groups? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think you know it's it's obvious that Sinn Féin has a monopoly there. You know, Sinn Féin uh, has a very strong hold across the nationalist communities in the north, and they do continue to um, command the support of those communities. Um, but I do think that there are dissident groups there who are doing work on the ground, particularly in areas like Belfast and the West or Derry, parts of Derry as well. And um, there's the Rosemount Community Resource Centre in Derry that was active for a number of years there, and it was mainly. Um, populated by dissident Republicans, which is quite interesting. So I do think that there are groups on the ground seeking funding, and I think it's really important to them to do that community work. But as I say, I do think Sinn Féin has a monopoly on that. You know, Marissa, when I've been researching this podcast and, you know, I've been YouTubing dissident Republicanism, I see a lot of iconography. I 
I hear a lot of music, I see the uniforms, I see perhaps lifestyle, and I wonder how much of this ultimately is cultural. And that is like what you do and who you see yourself as being and how you wish to portray yourself. Is that fair or am I being judgmental there? No, I think it is fair. Um, Culture is massively important. I mean, it's a massively important part of Irish republicanism in general and and also obviously to dissident republicans. So I think that is um, a massive part of it now. Uh, you talk there about the uniforms. I, I assume you're talking about colour parties at commemorations and things like that. Yes, um, and, and obviously I, that's not limited to what we describe as dissident Republicans. You know, we still see that from Sinn Féin. We even see that from the Workers' Party and the official uh, the official Republican movement, if we want to put it like that, as as it as it is today. So, but I, but but I, I, the question still stands. Well, it's speaking to that point again about connecting with tradition, you know, and when you see colour parties um, and different things that you've spoke about there, that's really, again, these organisations um, emphasising their connection and, and paying homage to the tradition of Irish Republicans that went before them. And, and as I said, more importantly, really seeing themselves as a continuation of that um, and as rededicating themselves to continuing this on. So I think culture is a massive part of it. And I think it always has been a massive part of Irish Republicans. So it's not surprising that it continues to be uh, with these groups. I mean, you know, the Irish language, uh, GAA, Irish culture, it's all it's all massively important. And I mean, dissident Republicans will talk about something called cultural imperialism. Um, and they, they believe that the Irish culture is being eroded. So um, emphasising and keeping culture alive is really important to them. Tell me about your book and how did you go about researching it? Um, so for years I had planned to write this book. I've grown up in West Belfast um, and I always had a keen interest in politics and I saw it developing around me. Um, I remember when I was a child seeing not only British Army foot patrols, but I also saw provisional IRA patrols through the street. Um, and then as I was getting older, um, I, I started becoming very aware of what was termed dissident republicanism. And I saw people who uh, were very, very critical of Sinn Féin and of the Sinn Féin leadership. And so my interest just grew and grew and I went along to Clonard Monastery. I think it was around 2007, 2009 period. And it was a meeting on, uh, it was a Sinn Féin public meeting on whether or not the police should be accepted. And Sinn Féin were encouraging uh, everyone in the monastery to accept the police and making the arguments as to why that needed to happen. And I was sitting at the back and some people around me were saying things like traitor sellouts. My son didn't die for this. Um, And so it was very, very interesting watching the Sinn Féin arguments from the altar in the actual church and also seeing very emotive responses from these people, some of which went on to be interviewees for my book um, sitting at the back. So uh, the interest, it grew and it grew in me. And then after I got my PhD in 2010, I did that on the SDLP. I wanted my first project then um, to be on dissident republicanism. So I took it from there and developed it and started working on gaining the access um, and really getting it together. Uh, from the SDLP to dissident republicans, uh, that uh, you know, respect to everybody involved, but that's quite a jump. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, I have I have some family in the SDLP um, who were actually founder 
members of the SDLP. So I always also had an interest in the SDLP. And when I was doing my PhD, I think that's probably what drew me to that. I was very interested in how they'd negotiated the Good Friday Agreement as the majority nationalist party, because people forget that, because Sinn Féin have been on such a high tide for so long. Um, how the SDLP went from that position to post-agreement, you know, um, really declining in terms of electoral support at the expense of Sinn Féin. So I really wanted to look at the SDLP for that reason, um, but always in the back of my mind, Kieran, it was always, I always wanted my first book to be on dissident republicanism. It was a passion that I really wanted to explore and develop, and, and I just, I did. You know, we talked about tradition, uh, etc. there and the desire to carry on the tradition and the cultural aspects and the struggle and socialism to take someone's life, especially at close range, uh, takes a certain psychology. Um, I had a conversation with a, a person in the short strand, as it happens, and I understand that that person uh, was once an active member of the IRA. And he I wasn't actually questioning him at the time, but he brought it up. He was baffled by dissident republicanism. Baffled. Because he couldn't understand where do they get the hate from. And for his point of view is, said, if you want to kill somebody, especially at close range, you need to hate them. And some people might question that long after, I suppose, what are described as the troubles, proper, you know, where, and I, an awful lot of people were being killed week in, week out, that where does a young person say in their early 20s, get that hatred needed to pull a trigger at close range on another person? So when I interviewed some spokespersons for the continuity IRA in North Armagh, and I put these types of questions and the question of morality and legitimacy to them. Uh, and what came out in those interviews and, and came out across the board with these groups was that they really do feel that what they're doing is no different to what the provisional IRA did and no different to what Republicans before that did. So they see their campaign as no less legitimate. And they don't believe that any change in circumstances or conditions affects their legitimacy to fight a campaign for Irish freedom. So they truly believe that. And they believe that the police remain a key target for them. And when I asked them why, they said, because the British are the first line of defence in Ireland. So they continue to target the police and, of course, prison warders. Um, and I think part of their, I think part of their uh, hatred is probably the correct word against the police um, stems from the fact that they are constantly under surveillance from the police. They're subject to stop and searches. Um, they're subject to house raids. You know, if you go to some of their commemorations, you will see violent clashes between them and the police. So I think I think some of their feeling stems from that. Um, and it it kind of enhances to them the fact that they see the police really as targets. Anytime I'm discussing dissident republicanism on this podcast with journalists in the Belfast Telegraph and beyond, I always ask them this question, why has it caught on in certain areas and not in others? And I mean, the classic example is like, why isn't South Armagh a hotbed of dissident republicanism? Yeah, it's so interesting because there are particular areas 
um, where republicanism would have been traditionally strong and dissident republicanism is now um, quite strong. But as you say, there are areas like South Armagh that have remained more um, maybe provisional minded or more Sinn Féin minded. And I think it could be to do with personalities as well. So um, particular areas Yes, a lot split, but some areas would have stayed more on board with the provisional movement. And some areas like North Armagh, maybe key personalities there, split from the provisional IRA. And so I think that helps to explain. I think personalities really come into it and where they're located. So, for instance, Derry, parts of Derry is another example. Um, and again, I think that um, key personalities come into that and to dissident Republicans organising around them. I mean, the personality issue has come up again and again in the podcast. And sometimes I think perhaps that clashes with the whole idea of tradition. You know, are, are people yeah. following their own egos or, 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 or have they detached themselves sufficiently from their egos in order to, you know, go down this profound political role? Perhaps, again, uh, I'm certainly not in a position to answer that question and maybe it's an unfair question to ask yourself but I think that the listeners might be asking themselves that question yeah I mean I think that people will tell you many of them are they're motivated by tradition but I think that where personalities possibly comes into it is organization so you know some some dissident republicans will be more um, likely to be a leadership figure or, or they will be more likely to organize in an area so I think that's where personalities come into it but of course groups like Republican Sinn Féin or Siru will tell you that they are very much against the cult the cult of the personality so they will talk about people like Jerry Adams or Martin McGuinness and they they think that really there was too much of that in Sinn Féin so they will tell you they reject that and that they're they're very determined to not go down that same path and um, but I do think that personalities are always important and I think particularly in terms of organizing in areas personalities are always going to play a role in that. Can I ask you a final question and again, it's a hypothetical situation. And this, there's a point been made by people who certainly uh, oppose all kinds of republicanism and probably also oppose all kinds of a united Ireland. But it has been suggested that even in a united Ireland, that some of these groups would actually continue to exist and continue perhaps even to be engaged in armed actions. And that argument has been used in certain sections of the media and in politics in the South to suggest, well, why would we want to unite Ireland? Because we would still have the new IRA in Derry. Is that in any way rational? I don't think that there is any rationality or justification, even from these groups, for a continuation of armed actions. I mean, if there was a united Ireland and a removal of the border, um, there would be no justification, even on their own terms anymore, for armed actions to continue. Their reason for being, in that sense, would be dismantled. But in terms of the political groups, yes, they would continue to exist in the united Ireland. And the point there is it goes back to this thing about socialism again. So they want to advocate for the type of United Ireland that they want. So um, sometimes there's a misconception that dissident Republicans just want the border removed and, and that's it. But they don't want the North and South just stuck together, forming a new state. They want a completely new Ireland. Um, and so they would still exist in that sense, that they would be advocating for a new socialist Ireland. They, they continue to reject 
um, Stormont to reject Leinster House, and they they don't want those institutions in new in a new Ireland. So I think that the political groups would absolutely still continue to exist, but I really don't see any reason why the armed groups would. Marissa, is there anything we should have talked about that we haven't talked about? I think a really important part of the dissident base that's often missed is are the independents because they're a really interesting um, growing group, actually. So everyone talks about the dissident groups um, and particularly the armed actions of the new IRA and the continuity. But there's a group of independent dissident Republicans. So people have fallen to that are like Anthony McIntyre, Tommy McCarney, Jared Hodgkins, the late Billy McKee. People like that all fell into that um, independent group who, who aren't a member of any of the dissident groups. And I think it's a really, really interesting base because dissident Republicanism in the public mindset, it's become synonymous with violence. And people think that all dissident Republicans support an armed campaign at present and they don't and the point is that there's quite a significant independent dissident Republican base out there who are actually very very critical of the new IRA and the continuity IRA and they say that there are no grounds to justify having a continued campaign today so I think it's important to acknowledge that too that not all dissident Republicans advocate these armed actions. Perhaps the problem is that people only speak to those individuals, as you say, when they are attacking Sinn Féin. Because, and so yeah. perhaps the wider, the wider context of what they're saying is lost then. Possibly. I think they're a particularly interesting group. I mean, they're a group that I've, of people I've looked at uh, in my research because I think it's worth looking at it. I mean, many of these independent dissident Republicans were in the provisional IRA, some of them at a very senior level, um, and also some of them were in Sinn Féin, some of them at a senior level. So they're a very interesting group of people, and they come into the dissident Republican bracket because they broke away from Sinn Féin at various points, and they're very, very critical of Sinn Féin. Um, I mean, I remember Tommy McCurney telling me that um, Sinn Féin is bound by the prevailing winds of London. You know, So they're very critical of the direction in which Sinn Féin has moved but they're equally critical of the armed groups. So they're advocating a traditional Republican message, but they don't advocate any armed actions at present. And in fact, they've actually condemned them. Dr. Marissa McGlinchey, thank you. Thanks. This episode of The Bell Tale was produced by myself, Kieran Dunbar. The sound design was by Graham Davidson. The clips you heard were from Channel 4, Sky, RTE, UTV and the BBC. 